So I have three kids, and if you add up all their weights, they don't come near me. I outweigh all three of them, even added up, yet they out-eat me. I don't get it. I don't know how that works, especially my eight-year-old Cade. He can just eat and eat and eat, and basically what happens in our house, most of the time we'll eat around the table. Kelly makes a nice, awesome Italian meal. We'll chow down, but, but once in a while, you get home from work. Everyone's shot. The kids are shot from school, and it's like, all right, we're watching iCarly, and we're just eating grilled cheese, all right? And so that's the deal. We're going to sit in front of the TV and just relax, and what happens is, is we realize how much our kids eat in that environment, because we're not right there at the table, you know? We have to keep making trips back and forth between rooms. And so sit down, kids all got their food. Before you know it, grilled cheese is gone. Kelly and I haven't taken a bite yet. And they're like, can we have more? Can we have, can we have a dessert now? You know, we're like, well, you just ate grilled cheese, all right? So how about having some fruit? And we get the appalled, what? Fruit, you know? And so, all right, all right, so I'll get you some fruit. I get fruit, cut up the orange, or cut up the watermelon, whatever, give it back, put it down. They eat that, and they're like, okay, now that we had the fruit, can we have the real snack? Like, they had to endure the fruit to get to the real snack, okay? So, all right, we'll get some Teddy Graham's goldfish. We get up, we gotta get up again and get, get that, you know? Sit down, think just about take the first bite of my grilled cheese, very excited. Uh, can I have some, something to drink? Uh, okay, you got something to drink. Um, you go pour it. Take the lemonade out, you pour it. I spilled it. Okay, cool. So you go into the <laughs> kitchen and you clean that up. You come back, you sit down, you're just about to take your first bite of the grilled cheese. Uh, I want more, I want more. I'm so thirsty, I'm so hungry. Dad, dad, dad. Okay. Something to be learned. My kids have issues. <laughs> beyond that, beyond that, there's something to be learned. There's something to, to, to realize. And that's this. Can you imagine? Could you just imagine if you and I were as hungry for God as they are for food? If, they, if, if you and I just had even like a fraction of the hunger for more of God as they do for food. You know, I mean, here they are. They just ate really well, and they want more. I mean, just think about that in our terms. You just ate really well when it comes to God. You, you, you sat down with Scripture, and it fed you. And then you go, that was awesome, but I'm not going anywhere. I want more. It's, it's coming to a church service and being able to worship. And I tell you, I needed the worship tonight, and I'm going to continue to need the worship tonight. I need the service tonight. And you know what? When the service is over tonight, to not just go, that was awesome. But man, to imagine having a hunger in your heart that would say, I, I want even more though. I want more. You know, when Andrew and Leah and the band stop leading tonight, go, no, you know, I, I want more. I want to worship God more. Imagine praying for like an hour and just getting lost in who God is. And then, you know, your alarm going off and saying, oh, you got to get ready for work. And instead of saying, oh God, thank God I, I'm done with it. Actually saying, I wish I had another hour, man. I wish I could just keep going. Imagine that hunger in your heart and my heart. It would be so awesome. And I think, you know what, we're a room full of people who are in various different places when it comes to talking about being hungry for God. Some of you are all about this. You're like, I would love to just hunger for God more. I am hungry for God, so let's talk about this. I want to know him more. I, I want to be closer to him. I want to get there. And you know what? That's awesome. A few weeks ago, I wrote on Twitter and Facebook this, this, and I was so encouraged by the response. I said, I want more of God, not hype or religion, not emotionalism or legalism, just the real thing. Whatever more of him looks like, I want it. And the reason I bring that up is because so many people either commented or liked that, which means I'm not alone. I'm not alone in wanting to be closer to who God is. So that's one group of you. You're here tonight. You're like, I'm in. I'm ready. Let's do this. I want more of God. Then there's a second group of us here tonight, and that's those of us in the room who wish we wanted more of God. I, I, I got to be honest, Doug. I, I can't say that tonight I am passionate about more of God, but I really wish I were passionate about wanting more of God. And you know what? I think we all go through different times where this can be true of us, where we're in this place where we're like, ah, I see him. I see her. 
they seem real fired up about God and I wish I had that. But if I'm just being real, I don't have that right now. And I, I know there's several reasons why this happens. For some of us, we are just so busy that the busyness has squashed the passion for God. I know for me, man, this time of year, everything gets going. Kids are playing soccer, work kind of amps up, school for the kids amps up. It just gets crazy. Some of you guys are parents. You have that going on. Some of you are the kids in school. Some of you are back to work in a new way. Summer's over, you know, kind of that, you know, even though you're at work, some of that, just that calmness and some of that summer chilling kind of, you know, goes away. And now it's fall. Got to work hard again. We're putting a little bit more hours. I'm hearing more and more people are working harder, a little longer now. And you know what? That busyness can just kind of squash that hunger and that passion for more of God. For some of us, it's like the honeymoon's over. And what I mean by that is you had this kind of encounter with God. You got saved or you kind of had a real awesome experience with God. And then suddenly it's like, I don't feel like I did then though. I used to feel so much closer to God. I used to feel like every day he was speaking to me and I just felt real close. But that feeling isn't there anymore. And hear, hear me on this, guys. What's tragic is so many people experience that and they never recover from it. What I mean is, is they get real excited about God in the beginning and then they kind of like, the passion just kind of dies off and they still love God, but there isn't that hunger for more and then they just begin to believe this must just be normal relationship with God. And so now there's a ceiling on your relationship with God and it's like, well, that's as high as I guess I'm gonna get. And I'm here to tell you tonight, that's not how it has to be. Some of us here tonight, there's a sin issue in our life that has squashed our passion for God. And because of the sin in our life, what we've done is we've actually begun to run the other way from God. We know getting near God and saying things like, I want more of God, is going to get us closer to him. And when we get closer to him, he's going to begin to, the Holy Spirit's going to begin to convict and and point out little areas of our life. And it's going to get a little bit more hard, more difficult. And and so we're kind of running from that. But you know what I think a lot of us are maybe struggling with in that second group? It's this. It actually has its own name. It's called the Dark Knight of the Soul. And unfortunately, it has nothing to do with Batman. But the Dark Knight of the Soul. And and, and there are books written about this. There are seminars taught about this. And it's not talked about enough in church. And what it is, is it's this. It's when you're a follower of Jesus and things feel pretty good. But suddenly, it feels like prayer doesn't work anymore. Suddenly, it feels like you open your Bible and it's just words and you are bored to tears. Suddenly it's worship experience, experience like tonight, an environment like this, and you're like, man, when I used to sing, I used to feel this passion, this true, real love for God, and it's just not there right now. And you know what so many of us do? We freak out, and we do one of a number of things. We, we begin to think maybe we're not actually a follower of Jesus. We, we begin to just feel like we're never going to feel like we once did again. We begin to give up a little bit on prayer and the fact that maybe God could show up. We begin to make statements like this. Well, I experienced God once back then, and man, that was awesome. But we don't really expect anything new. We come to church out of ritual rather than a desire to actually meet with God. And we go through this time in our life, which I want you to all hear this, every one of us goes through at least once. Some of us will go through it many times. I've been through it many times where it's just like, the dark night of the soul, man. It's like your soul's light gets turned off and it feels cold and it feels mechanical and you don't really feel that love or that passion for God like you used to. Now, some of you guys that are in that spot right now, I wanna encourage you because the guy that we're gonna read about tonight and get inspired by to want more of God, 
he also said this. He said, why is my soul so downcast? You know what else he said? Pretty honest prayer. He prayed once to God. He said, God, will you forget me forever? And so the guy that we're going to look at tonight as an example to make us more hungry for God knew what the dark night of the soul was like and knew what those valleys looked like and knew how hard that was. And yet I hope tonight you won't just go, okay, well, then I guess that's where I am. I'm in the dark night of the soul. I hope instead you will say, all right, I want to get out of this thing and I want to begin to see more of God. And so that's groups one and two. Groups three, group three rather, would be those of you here in the room that don't have a relationship with Jesus. You wouldn't say, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm not a Christian. I don't know anything really about a relationship with him or I once had one, but I kind of threw that away and it didn't really seem to affect me much or do much for me. And you're here tonight going, I don't really care about more of God. I don't really care about wanting more of God. But I hope this, I hope this for you tonight. I hope that you will see why we would want more of God, first of all. And I hope that God would do something in your heart tonight, way more than my words, that would actually make you want more of God. And so tonight, I hope tonight, this will just inspire us. Because the truth is, guys, we are all in need of more of God. Wherever we are, if we're hungry for God, or we wish we were hungry for God, or we really don't care about God, you know, especially for us in the room that would say we're followers of Jesus, I don't think any of us would say more of God would be a problem, you know? Like if I told you tonight, all right, God wants to do something new in your life, well, that's just going to screw everything up. I think we'd all go, yeah, man, okay, even if I'm not really wanting this with all that I am, I, I, I'll take some more of God. And so tonight, let's talk about just this inspiration and this passion that I hope that we will walk away with. And in the next three weeks, we're going to get real practical. But tonight, I just honestly, I just really want to inspire you. I want us to be inspired, and I want us to begin to hunger together for more of God. And so we're going to read uh, eight verses in Psalm 63, and we're going to talk about them. And David, what you need to know about this is David wrote this when he was in the wilderness. Okay? Now, sometimes when David writes a psalm, and he's like talking about how great God is, it's kind of like we're sitting there going, okay, you're a king, you have all the riches in the world, you know, people are fanning you and feeding you grapes, and I mean, of course you're going to write that God's great. Of course, that, that just makes sense. But see, David wrote what he's going to write, what we're going to read tonight, in the wilderness. He wrote it when things were terrible. Like he was in a literal wilderness. That's not, you know, just some terminology. He literally was, you know, not king in his, on his throne, and he was in a wilderness. And so what you might think is, is, is the same thing I might think. Maybe he's going to ask God for all this stuff, right? He's going to ask God, meet this need and meet this need and meet, meet this need. But let's see what David actually does. In this psalm. So Psalm 63 says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I seek you, God. Wait, wait, David, you're in the wilderness, man. You need food, you need drink, you need shelter, you need protection. Are you going to ask God for all those things? And he just starts out. I mean, we'll see what happens here. We'll see what the pattern is of this, of this chapter. But here in this first verse, he's just going, God, you're my God, and I seek you. To start things off, I'm not seeking what you can do for me or what you can give me, but I want more of you. He goes on in the next part, verse 2. He says, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power. And your, oh, I'm sorry, wrong verse. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. So he's, again, he, here he is, literally needs water. And he's saying, yeah, but my body thirsts for you. It's like he's taking his physical need 
And he's saying, all right, I'm going to take my physical need here and I'm going to make it a spiritual example. I, I, just like my body's so thirsty right now, I need more of you. I don't know if you guys have ever been in that place where you're so thirsty, where your head's pounding, where you get nauseous. I played soccer in high school and college, and in college, man, those guys just killed us. I went to Nyack College. There's all these hills that us running up and down and around and putting people on our backs, running uphill doing that. We had to do all, I mean, just insanity. And man, I remember after practice someday, just feeling like so unbelievably thirsty, my head just pounding, you know, just sweaty, nasty, and, and just to the point where you're just sick. You can't even imagine eating food because you're that thirsty. And that's what David's saying about God. He's going, God, I'm thirsty for you. Yeah, man, my body's thirsty. I need some food, but man, I am ultimately thirsty for you. Imagine having that kind of a passion to drive. Now, verse two, he says, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Why is that important? What's he saying here? He's going, I've experienced you, God. And my experience makes me hungry for more of you. I've seen how good you are. I've seen how powerful you are. I've seen how great you are. And that makes me more hungry. Just think for a second. Those of you guys in the room who have experienced God in one way or another. It was a time he answered prayers. It was a time he directed you. It was a time that he healed your body. Or he put a relationship back together. Or he gave you incredible joy in the midst of like the worst time in your life. Do you remember that? You know what that means? That means you've beheld God's power and glory. That that should make you more hungry because you've seen something so good it makes you want it even more. I love that God does real things. You know what we can say as a church? We can say that we've seen God in the sanctuary, in this very room. You know how I know that? Uh, One of the things that's shown me this the most is the baptism videos recently. If you've been around for the last six months, we've baptized, I don't even know how many people, a ton of people between the green room and Sunday morning and Sunday night. And it's been so awesome and so powerful. And you know what? As I'm watching those screens, do you know what I I realize? I realize that regardless of how I felt the night went here at Collision, that God was doing stuff. Like he doesn't really care if my message is good or not. He doesn't really care how the band sounds or the lights look or any of that stuff. I mean, those are all tools he'll use. But ultimately, he's doing stuff. You know, you know how I know that? Because I remember Joe Aguila's story and talking about how he's sitting there on his 21st birthday and he's crying his eyes out because God made himself real to him. You know what? I left that night. I didn't know what God had done in Joe Aguila's life, but God did it nonetheless. And then Angela got on. She basically said the same thing. And then Kayla got on. She said the same thing. And then Mark showed up and started talking about how God showed up in his life. And Donna and Hector told their story of God putting their marriage back together. And my gosh, you just, you just go, God has worked in this place. And you know how else I know? I know that we've beheld God's glory and power because a few weeks ago, I asked you guys to just put up your hand. If you've come up to the front and let the prayer team pray for you at the end of the night and God has spoken to you or healed you or done something downright supernatural and miraculous in your life, and at least a quarter of you guys raised your hand. You know what that means? You've seen God in the sanctuary. You've seen his power and glory. And tonight, what I'm praying will happen is those experiences will make you go, that was awesome. And I want more of it. That was so powerful. That was so life-changing, man. That was the the changing point. That was the breaking point for me. The turning point was that experience with God. You know what so many of us do? We go, that was so great. And we look at it like an old memory 
You know, like, like this old thing that happened back in the day. What a great memory that was. And we don't think to ask, God, now how about today for a new one? I want more of you, God. I want to experience you in new ways just because I've seen you in the past. Man, that doesn't mean I'm not going to see you in the future. Verse three, I love this. He says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name, I will lift up my hands. Why does David want more of God? Because his love is better than life. You know, all the things that make life great, you know, I mean, I love Christmas. I listen to Christmas music all year long, okay? So Christmas morning, fireplace going, kids around the tree, tree staying up throughout the day and not falling, which has happened twice, thanks to Landon the Destroyer. Um, that's, that's a day, man. That's life, right? I love, uh, I love going out on my dad's boat. I love a barbecue on the beach. I love a baseball game. I love laughter. I love friends. I love my family, that's life. And David's going, look, your love's better than all that. Your love's better than all that. All those nice feelings you get, all those good emotions, those are all good. Those are all God-given things. But I'll tell you what, your love, God, is better than that. And because of that, I want more of it. I want to know you more. I want to desire to know you more. Then in verse five, he says, my soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. So again, you have David out here in the middle of nowhere needing physical food, needing physical strength. And what he's saying is, God, I'm not really so worried about food right now. It wouldn't have been wrong for David to ask God for food. It wouldn't have been wrong for him to ask him to deliver him, protect him and give him drink and all that stuff. But ultimately what David is saying is, God, more than that, I want to know you. My, my grandfather used to say something when he would uh, be done with his plate full of food Rather than asking for more food, what he would do is he would just kind of push his plate back toward the, the bowl in the middle and he would say, it tastes like more. And they would kind of know, okay, that's code word. Dad wants more, you know, my dad used to tell me. And that's exactly what David's saying here. My grandfather's going, that was satisfying, man. That was good. It tastes like more. And you know what? We've got to look at God and go, man, God, you taste like more. What you've done in my life, the ways you've come through, the ways you've answered prayer makes me want more of you. Next he says, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you on my bed. I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Could you imagine being that in love with God? That you literally stay up through the night and you just think about God? You know, I just imagine like my wife waking up at three in the morning and rolling over and looking at me. And I'm just sitting up in my bed like, hey. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just love God. You know, you, you want in on this or, you know, I'm just, I'm just so excited about God, you know, and, and, and we all know what that's like on other levels, right? I'm going to the game tomorrow. I'm going to the concert tomorrow. I'm going on the trip tomorrow. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. We're so excited and we can't sleep. I just ask you a question. Has God and your love for him and your passion for him, has it ever kept you up all night? I don't know that I could say yes to that. And so there's this passion passion that David has that I would love for us to catch. You know, I mean, you, you even look at the language. I think of you through the watches of the night. I mean, that, that sounds like, you know, a, a dating couple, you know, like after their first date, you know, they're out in the restaurant, everything's nice. And, you know, you, guys, you look at her and she looks all pretty, you know, and 
She sees you smiling at her and she rolls her eyes at you and you pick them up and roll them back. And, you know, I mean, you know, just 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 that feeling and that passion. And, and you know, you get home. And I remember, I remember the first night and no awing here. Everyone's like, oh, don't do it. OK, but I remember the first night, man, uh, I had gone out with Kelly. We were we had dated when we were younger. And then like during college, uh, we kind of became friends again. I remember the first night going out with her and I came back. My parents are asleep and it's late at night. I didn't care, man. I went barging in the room, don't awe. And I was like, yo, we got to talk with you about Kelly. And I think this may be the one and this and that. And the whole thing. And, and, and that night, was, it was like so, so excited. There was, it was hard to sleep. I mean, can you just imagine having that kind of passion and love for God? That's what David has here. Now, let me just qualify this. It's the same guy who said, God, will you forget me forever? Same guy who said, why is my soul downcast? Okay, so I want, don't want to turn David into a superhero and make you think like, oh, if I don't feel like that 24-7, I must not be a follower of God. No, see, David had his ups and he had his downs, but man, this is a passionate guy who wanted more of God. Then he says in verse seven, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. And just think about that imagery, Okay. Because you're my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. Now, God doesn't have literal wings, okay? But just think about a, you know, mama bird or whatever. She's got the little baby birds all around her, and they're just tweeting away. I don't mean like online. They're like literally tweeting, you know, the real tweet, okay? And they're tweeting away. And why are they tweeting away? They're tweeting away because they're completely fine. They are shielded from heat. They're shielded from the sun. They're shielded from the rain or the snow or whatever it's doing out there. And they're just happy because when they're near mom or dad, under the shelter of those wings, man, life is good. Life is good. They might be out in a storm, but as long as they're in the shelter of the wings, life is good. And you know what? That's what David's saying here, man. Because you're my help. It's like I'm under the shadow of your wings. Do you not want more of that? I want more of that. And he says in the last part we're going to read together tonight, it says, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. It's that imagery of clinging to God. David's going, man, with all that I am, I'm just clinging to you. My soul has to have you. Usually before I go off to work, I'll call all the kids over. And Landon and I do this thing, probably because he's the one that is easiest to pick up at this point. But I'll pick him up and I'll say, squeeze my head off. And he'll just come around and he literally, and he's shaking and he's just making that noise. And, and, and he literally, I start to turn a little blue, but it, it's worth it because of how he's clinging to me, how he's holding me. And there I am and I'm just upholding him, man. I got him. He's safe. He's good. And I, I just love that image. That, that's what David's saying. He's like, man, when I, when I cling to you, God, you're, you're upholding me. And so my soul clings to, you know, it's so crazy, guys, is that you and I, we don't cling to God like that. You know what we do? And this is what we're going to talk about a lot for the next several weeks. We, we, we kind of sort of cling to him a little bit. You know why, though? And it's so sad. We do it because we think if we don't, God will get mad at us. And that's our big reason for spending time with God. That's our big reason for coming to church. That's our big reason for joining a community group or a service team, guys. That's our big reason for, for prayer, for reading God's word. So often it's just, if I don't do this, God's gonna get mad at me. And through this whole thing, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen David coerced at all. I see him going, no, man, your love's better than life. I'm satisfied. You uphold me. I'm sitting there in the shelter of your wings. That's powerful. 
that's real. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want a passion that spends time with God because I love God. I want to read scripture because I love God and I want to know him more. I want to pray because I love God and I want to see him more active in my life and I want my heart more surrendered and submitted to him. I want to worship because I love God and I, you could try and shut me up, but man, I'm going to sing. You know, tonight I was getting a little self-conscious, like I might be singing a little bit loud, but I, okay, I'm, I'm over it. I'm just going to go for it here because I just love God. Just imagine that passion. Imagine that heart to say, man, that's my story. And so, you know what? Tonight, I hope you'll just simply say, I want more of you, God. I want to ask you to do something. I'll give you a little homework tonight. Don't usually do this. But being that we're kicking off a series here, I want to ask you for the next week, would you pray that prayer every day? Would you pray that prayer even multiple times a day, every day? I mean, you don't have to. But man, anytime you think of it, it would be awesome. You're walking through the hallway at school. I mean, that's a three-second prayer. God, I'm on my way to physics. I want more of you, God. Driving home, God, all right. What do I got to do at home? I got to do this, that. Okay, but God, I'm just letting you know, I want more of you. We're going to get more practical in the next several weeks about how to get more of God. But you know what? I think this is just the way to start. And I think it'd be awesome if we all came back next week and as a church had all been praying this prayer, I want more of you. And so if you're in category one, group one, and you're going, man, I'm in, I want more of God, I'm hungry for more of God, then there's your prayer. If you're in group two, you know what your prayer is? Your prayer is, I wish I wanted more of you, God. Would you bring that out of me? I want to want more of you, God. Would you do something in my heart, God? Something's off here, be it because I'm too busy or be it because I'm in the dark night of the soul or because I'm in, the honeymoon's over or because of the sin in my heart that it just, I'm running from you right now. Whatever it might be, God, I want to want more of you, God. That's your prayer this week. And if you're in group three, you're not a follower of Jesus, but in the last half hour, you've realized that his love is better than life and that he satisfies, then maybe tonight, you'd be willing to say that same prayer that I'm gonna be saying all week. I want more of you, God. Whatever that looks like, I want more of you. Whatever it looks like to know you better, to love you more, I want more of you. And you know what, guys? You know what I know? I know this, and I don't say this very often, but I know this. I know that that is a prayer that will get answered every time. You know, you could ask God for all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, God, I want to be a baseball player. God, make me, make me rich and famous. I mean, I'm not saying don't pray that stuff. Go ahead and pray it. But I don't know that the answer is going to be yes. But I can tell you that prayer will always be yes. Because God, you know what God's doing right now? He's been up in heaven going, I, I've been dying for you to ask for that. I've been dying for you to ask. He, he hasn't been dying for you to ask to be a baseball player, I don't think. I mean, maybe one or a half of one of you. Or I, I don't know. But, but you know what? He's been dying for every single one of us to say, God, I just want more. Or I wish I wanted more. And so that prayer will be answered. And you know what? We could come back next week and as we continue to talk about this stuff, be that much closer as a room full of people to being those people that are closer to God and have more of them. I'm not saying that in a week's time, you know, you're gonna come back and you're gonna be David. You may. But if this could become habit for us. And if we could just blow the ceiling off 
all of that, well, I guess I just kind of calmed down and I was real, you know, on fire for God up front, but it just kind of died out. If we just kind of get rid of all that and realize there's no limited time offer for what God wants to do in our lives. It wasn't just what he wanted to do 10 years ago or one year ago or six months ago in you. No, he wants people who continually hunger for more of him. And I think the best way to get it is to start with a prayer like this. And so would you just simply this week, remember to pray, I want more of you, God. Would you write it down in your phone? Would you set an alarm to go off every day that just says, I want more of you, God? Would you make it a little sticky? Would you, whatever your, your thing is, would you ask a friend to remind you? But just throughout this week, let's be praying this together as a church and see what God does. Let's pray. So God, we come to you just really needing more, God. And I thank you that you love this prayer, God. This is a prayer you are excited about. This is a time in our church you're excited about because it's all about this relationship. It's all about getting closer to you and wanting more of you. And so we pray for help, God. So if you're a Christian, would you, whether you're in group one or group two, would you pray your prayer? Either God, I want more of you, or God, I want to want more of you. And spend some time with him. And if you're not a Christian, and in the last half hour, you've seen a satisfying God, a loving God, one who gave his son for you to take away your sin and bring you into this relationship with God, then I would love for you to just begin your conversation with God, something like this, just between you and God. Don't say this out loud, but just you to him. God, I want more of you. Jesus, I want to know you. I'm so grateful that you died for me. I'm so grateful that you rose again. And now I just want to know you more. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you for this gift of salvation. And now, God, please give me more of you.